some positive news when it comes to COVID numbers in the province. Ontario reporting its lowest single-day increase in COVID cases in more than three weeks, 347 new cases. That is the lowest number reported since April the 6th. And it's suggesting that the province might finally be past the epidemic's peak. Also out today, stats regarding exactly who is testing positive. And it turns out one in seven in Ontario positive for COVID are healthcare workers. Let's welcome in our medical expert, Dr. Britt Belchetz, for more on this. He joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Belchetz, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, first off, one in seven testing positive are healthcare workers. Should that be a surprise considering there are healthcare heroes, they're the ones that are putting themselves in harm's way? It's really not a surprise to me, and it's not a surprise for two separate reasons. Reason number one is when we look at the state of, of our society right now where the vast majority of people are social distancing, locked away, not having a lot of contact with others, uh, and healthcare workers are in a category where they are classified as essential services workers. They're going into hospitals, healthcare facilities. They're interacting with a lot of people. They are in very risky circumstances because for the most part, where they are going, that is where COVID is. It just makes sense that these are the people that are going to have one of the highest rates of being diagnosed with the illness. That's one side of it. The other side of it is that these are also the people that are getting tested the most. So being a healthcare worker, you are one of the categories of people that are defined as having exposure to vulnerable populations and as a very, very significant part of your job, it is required that if you have any symptoms or any suspicion that you might be infected, that you get tested. And so there are many, many other populations who may or may not have symptoms, but certainly are not going for tests because it's not affecting what they do. And they tend to stay home and self-isolate and go through that routine. But that's not the case for healthcare workers. So I think we're, we're, we're diagnosing more and there's more at risk. And I think the combination is resulting in that very high number that you're seeing. Okay, what about PPE? You and I have spoken about that extensively in the past, and particularly early on, there just wasn't enough of it when it comes to N95 masks, face shields, gowns. Do you think that that plays a role in this number? It does. It, it certainly is a really important consideration because ideally, if PPE was perfect, you would see far lower rates in healthcare workers. Ideally, you'd want to see rates that are much closer to what you see in the general population, meaning that when they go to work, they're not at any significant rate of exposure because their PPE is very effective. And I think there's a few questions. One is, do we have enough PPE, which is something that we've spoken about a number of times. I think the answer right now is that we're constantly at risk of shortage. But two, uh, the other question is, are we using the right guidelines for PPE? And one of the more controversial things that we've seen is a recommendation across most of Canada that healthcare workers, for the most part, only use basic surgical masks when they're interacting with potentially COVID-positive patients in the hospitals, whereas in some other countries we've seen the recommendation be that Healthcare workers wear an N95 mask, which is much more protective, but in much more short supply every time they're interacting. And so the jury right now is out on the scientific evidence, but certainly given that we are seeing higher rates of transmission to healthcare workers here than in some other countries where we've seen recommendations like that, I certainly think it, we owe it to our healthcare workers that we do re-examine those recommendations to make sure that they're the right ones. All right, so one in seven in Ontario positive for COVID are in the healthcare field. Having said that, outside healthcare settings, we're also finding out that Ontario really doesn't know where people are contracting COVID-19. I mean, if it's not healthcare workers or inside a uh, hospital setting, it's still, Brett, a bit of a mystery where people are con contracting COVID or how they're getting it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just speaks again to how much we don't know about this illness. We we really don't know how easily you can catch it and all the different ways that you can catch it. So there still is some debate whether or not this is something that is spread only by droplets, meaning somebody coughs and you're within uh, six feet of them when they cough and those droplets come right at you and you breathe them in and you get infected. Or is it potentially airborne, meaning micro droplets that can float in the air for a couple hours uh, and you walk into a space that somebody who is positive walked through, you know, quite a long time ago and you can become infected that way? Because, you know, you look at a very, very different pattern of transmission between those two things. So we don't even have that basic knowledge. And then certainly, you know, I think that there's a lot of unknown infection in the community. We've never done broad testing. We don't know what percentage of the overall population actually has been exposed. Uh, And there could be very large parts of the population that are actually asymptomatic, but yet positive for COVID and spreading it around. And certainly when we see nice weather, like what we saw last weekend, where we see lots of people who are going out to the beaches and other outdoor spaces where they're coming into close proximity with others, it starts to undo a lot of the effect of the social distancing activities that we've undertaken. And and so, you know, all of that adds together to say that it is very, very difficult without uh, having all this sort of, uh, without having complete knowledge in all these different areas to really understand where the illness is still coming from at this stage. You know, that's been one of the confounding things about COVID is that there's so much we just don't know, and we're literally figuring it out on the fly. Just how important is it to figure out the answer to this question? Just exactly how, outside of a healthcare setting, we're spreading the virus, we're spreading this uh, disease in order to stem the tide? Well, it's one of the most important things for us to figure out because controlling an outbreak, the number one way that we do that is we understand how that outbreak spreads. So example, you know, going back in time to, to some of the, you know, the older illnesses that spread across populations, um, there are ones that it caused, you know, massive outbreaks of disease, which we were just unable to stop until we started to understand, for instance, that those diseases were spread by mosquitoes. And then the way that we eradicated, for instance, some of those diseases way in the past was actually, instead of actually targeting the disease itself, it was to get rid of all the places where the mosquitoes were breeding. So, so having that basic understanding, the reason why I tell you that story is that having that basic understanding of how a disease spreads is the number one thing you have to know in order to stop it from spreading. So I, I think as we get smarter in that, we will be able to enact much smarter precautions and preventative measures to prevent people from unknowingly passing this from person to person. But we're just not there yet. Joined by our medical expert, Dr. Brett Belchetz. Dr. Belchetz, there's also a report out by the University Health Network that we need to discuss here this afternoon. This report uh, released with respect to cardiac deaths, and they say that it's been estimated that approximately 35 people may have passed away here in Ontario because the surgeries were not performed. Obviously, we know that surgeries have been canceled because of the uh, COVID outbreak. How much of a concern, obviously, is this, and are we any closer to resuming at least a semi-regular schedule when it comes to other health emergencies? Well, it's a huge concern. I think it's one of my greatest concerns. Uh, that being said, you know, it's it's the concern over all the collateral damage, not just from surgeries that are being missed, but from all sorts of other conditions that are not being diagnosed and not being treated. So that said, it is not a stat of, of actual deaths that have been recorded, but what a model would predict in terms of the number of cardiac patients that are not getting treated and what we would expect to have happen without that treatment. But, you know, if we look at what's happening in the hospitals where people are not coming in for things like stroke symptoms and chest pain, where people who have symptoms suggestive of cancer are not getting their cancers diagnosed, where we have people who actually do have cancer that might be getting their chemotherapies delayed. The cumulative damage from all of this is enormous. And I actually think 
when all is said and done, the collateral damage from all of that lack of health care may be just as significant as the amount of death and illness that we've seen from COVID itself. So, uh, you know, I think this is a huge thing. And the question is, you know, how soon are we going to be able to go back to at least some degree of normalcy in the healthcare system? It's very tough to say, uh, mostly because what we're very afraid of is going forward with things like surgical procedures, which make people very vulnerable to infection and very specifically vulnerable to something like COVID before we've managed to clear COVID out of our healthcare facilities. So uh, I think it, it's sort of a moving target based on the rates of infection we're seeing and how clean we think our hospitals are. Hopefully, uh, and, and you know, we're all looking at this, hopefully at some point towards the end of May, uh, you know, we will start to see some progress in this front. But again, you know, nothing is certain. I think it's going to be a day-to-day decision based on what we see in terms of the numbers of infection. Yeah, is this an important discussion we need to have going forward because there's a talk of perhaps a second wave in the fall and when we discuss lessons learned, is this maybe one of the more critical or important ones and should we maybe designate certain hospitals as, I don't know, COVID hospitals while other hospitals are reserved for what we might call regular procedures or day-to-day or regular hospital operations? That may be the case. It certainly is something that we should think about. The, the problem with that, and I've heard that suggestion a number of times, is a hospital that is not a COVID hospital uh, is very hard to keep that way. All it takes is one COVID positive patient who doesn't know they have COVID getting into that facility for everybody in that facility to potentially be exposed. So if we're going to go down that path, we have to have very effective ways of screening. We have to, again, going back to earlier in our discussion, really understand how this spreads so that one patient coming in cannot spread to large number of people and that we can quickly actually shut down any new outbreak that occurs in a facility that's a non-COVID facility. But presuming we start to get those types of data points and we understand all of those things a lot better, then I agree that that may be a pathway that we go down. All right, Dr. Belchitz, we'll leave it there for now. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you. My pleasure. You have a good day. You as well. There goes Global News Radio 640 Toronto medical expert, Dr. Brett Belchitz.